All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of our Worth It podcast. Today on the show, we got a very special guest, and as the head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State, Coach Sam Purcell. Uh, Sam has a huge resume, an unbelievable bio, and we could go on and on about him. We're going to dive into the show. But Sam is also from Dalton, Georgia, played high school basketball at Southeast Whitfield. Um, just an incredible guy. Came all the way up, been a been everything you could think of in college basketball, from a player to a manager to a video coordinator to a big time Division One assistant. Spent the last nine years at Louisville, Final Fours, ACC championships, on and on, and now has landed the head girls basketball coach at Mississippi State. A good friend of mine and, and a childhood friend, somebody I always looked up to, and uh, that's Sam Purcell. And Sam, we're so glad to have you on the show, man. Man, Ryan, I, I like that intro. That was big time, man. Uh, uh, it, it, didn't do, it didn't do you justice, but we, we try to we try to get to it. We know you got a lot going on today. Hey, I, I feel good. You know, I haven't coached a game yet, but after hearing that, you know, being undefeated right now, I like it. So yeah, hey, amen. Start Vegas. So we, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. So coach, just it, we're going to dive in. If you would tell us a little bit about your story. I know I hit on it briefly, but uh, and we're going to get into some of the things in, in your childhood and all those, but. Tell us anything about your story. Um, you know, there's so many people who we, we touch here who are blessed to uh, who are leaders and listen to this. But anything you want to share about your your playing days, your coming up, your career, your family, just a little bit about about you. Yeah, well, for for me, first and foremost, I was blessed to have two loving parents that got out of the way. I think that's the most important key, especially in the things that we're seeing in today's society that I had parents that said, you know what? Chase what you love and you'll never feel like you worked a day in your life. And that advice, as simple as that sounds, was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I started playing basketball in third grade. Uh, I was never that kid who was the superstar. Uh, I just loved the game and wanted to learn so much. My parents knew nothing about the game of basketball. So, again, that's another key nugget. Uh, for probably reason why I had success and I love it so much, uh, that that hunger uh, and that thirst to learn from the best and seek out the top of the top, I think is what ultimately drove my career over the next 30 years. Um, I transferred to high schools. There was nothing wrong with the high school that I was at, but there was a coach who came from college that had a different environment uh, and started a simple thing called the Breakfast Club. Uh, back in 1996, which at that time, that was unheard of. And for me, I was like, what? Wake up at 6 a.m. and get better and skill development and be able to do extra work. And a coach loves you so much that he's willing to go above and beyond. I was like, sign me up. So starting off with that, and then uh, I wasn't blessed with the most athleticism. So I wanted to play Division One basketball. So I went to Southern Union in Wadley, Alabama. For two years and the good Lord showed me that, you know what, you're not playing Division one basketball, <laughs> that you're not as athletic or no matter how much you put in. And thank God I was a realist. Uh, so at that point, social media wasn't big. So I went for my justification at the time. This is 2000 because, again, Twitter now is everybody's truth. Right. That's where you think you can find today's answers. But back then it was Sports Illustrated. And at the time, Auburn men's basketball was on the cover of, the, uh, of Sports Illustrated. So to me, right away, I, I assume that's the best pro program in the country. They're preseason number one. 
It's the feeder school to the junior college that I attended in Wadley, Alabama. And I would give you both boys $10 if you could tell me where Wadley, Alabama is, which you're not going to be able to. All right. And from there, uh, you know, I go there and I had a job lined up with a guy named Cliff Ellis, who was the men's head coach. Uh, And about two weeks before school started, he calls me up and says, hey, we got a problem. The money I provided was going to provide you for school. Another guy's coming back. I can't pay you as much. Short story. I didn't come from wealth. So I said, "Uh oh, we're in trouble. I applied nowhere else for school. Um, So I took a job as a telemarketer selling vacuum cleaners and worked at the Gap part time. Um, And that honestly, looking back, was great because how ironic I'm calling people all the time. So the conversations I have are are good and bad, just like selling a vacuum cleaner. Uh, And then I love to dress up for games. So that experience at the Gap uh, is funny how that's come full circle. Uh, But then technology to finish the story was coming around and I was simply at a bus stop and I'm, I'm a man of faith and God. And it's funny how the good Lord uh, puts things in your ways and, and, and what you might think are disastrous or, or challenges obviously turn into, he has a bigger plan. And on that sign that day, I'll never forget. It was video coordinator needing someone to learn, you know, for the women's basketball team. And again, the time frame is 2000. So at this time, VHS, the VHS tapes were changing out. It was all digital, uh, state of the art on a computer. And the women's staff was all older. And they were looking for some young college kid who'd be willing to take on that job. And some of the girls were in my class and I was getting to do basketball. So I said, are you kidding me? Sign me up. And then the rest is history. Uh, I fell in love with the women's game. And I've been fortunate to be around good people and be provided great opportunities. And I think that's the one thing that I would share with anybody listening, that everybody wants that top job, but are you willing to do the bottom jobs? And if you're willing to do the bottom jobs and treat it like the top job that'll be given to you one day, you'll end up at the top. As simple as that. And I think I've, I, that's where I'm proud of who I am. I've worked my way up the ladder, but I promise you, nothing was given. I tried to do the best I was, and, and when I did it, my bosses who I worked for gave me more responsibility, and then it was my responsibility to make sure I did a great job, and that's why I'm here today with you boys. Yeah, that, that, that's so good. I think, uh, Sam, you almost know, like I was telling Andy before you before you jumped on here, when you're around, like you, I said, you're going to love this guy. You, you almost You just elevate people. You, you want to like I knew tonight, I was going to bring my A game because I'm going to, have to try to match your energy. Where does that energy come from, and and what do you do? I know you can't wake up every day feeling just on top of the world, ready to go. What do you do on those days that you maybe don't feel like bringing it? I know right now you're burning at both ends. Just a kind of a two part question there. Yeah, well, I think first it comes. My energy comes from choosing a profession I truly love. It's undeniable. You know, I said when I started when. Thank God I had two parents that told me, you know what, chase happiness uh, and then money and opportunities will come with it. But if you go the other way, like some people do and they chase the money, then they're never happy. And there's an undeniable uh, attitude and swag about you that you just don't have because you're just ultimately in the wrong profession. So for for me, that's first and foremost. Um, I'm blessed to, you know do something I love every day. And so I honestly, you know, you hear this at times. I never feel like I've worked a day in my life. And I know people hear that, but honestly, I'm living it. And do I have good times and bad times? You better believe it. 
But I think being the son of a drug and alcohol rehab counselor slash middle school counselor also has played a big outlook in my life because when I was raised, she, my mom was big on chicken noodle soup for the soul, but also just being a good person. Um, through my journey of trying to, you know, me, 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 I had a parent that just always talked about how can you bring someone else up? How can you live life and put a smile on somebody's face? Uh, and it's funny how karma uh, and full things work in life that when you pour into others, you know what? Life pours into you. And so to be able to be influenced at a young age and try to live that life and be genuine and appreciate people and their time, um, I think is what portrays a happiness and an energy level about me that separates me from some people. Coach, that's pretty powerful. And I, I just, you know, you don't know me very well, but I've, I've got a son that's a, actually a senior at North Paulding High School, actually, where Ryan uh, is the athletic director. And, um, and I'm going to have him, you know, this is probably one of the most important podcasts for him. And, and I think a lot of it is, is because he's, you know, he's a senior in high school. He, he you know, similar story up into the point that you were is that, uh, like the rest of us, he loves sports. He's a little bit undersized. Um, and, and wants to be a coach, you know. So I've started having those conversations with him about, okay, we need to look into colleges, what you need to get to, and and, and the realization that, look, man, you're not going to probably, you know, be a college athlete. You know, you just uh, – unfortunately – and he my son always kids around and says, I've got bad genes, which obviously came from my wife and I. And so we, we laugh about that. But, um, you know, so I've talked to him about similar things that you've mentioned earlier um, in, t in tonight's podcast is about – you know, you, if, if those are your dreams, those are your aspirations, then there's a place for you, you know, whether it's, you know, at, you know, starting off in the video room, breaking down film um, and through connections that I have just being in athletics as well. Um, you know, I said, we can help you get there. So, you know, if you were speaking to him, how do you tell him, hey, how do you stay faithful into this process as he is a young senior in high school and he's he's fixing to hit college and and trying to make these important decisions and, and follow his dreams just like you said about doing something for the rest of your life that you don't feel like you've had to work a single day and I know Ryan and I feel those same ways I mean we get up just passionate every single day loving what we're doing and and, and that's the key obviously to a to a you know to one of the main things when you look at you know, life in general and, and and just loving what you do every single day. So, you know, my question one is, is how'd you stay faithful through that process, starting from the very bottom as a video coordinator, all the way up to obviously, you know, super successful and, and what you're doing now? Yeah. So I think, yeah, to your point, the first one would be, even for your son is, is, is it's, I think it's easy when you know what you want. Uh, and for me to stay faithful is I had an attitude. I wasn't going to be denied because I had a support system back home that was pushing me to follow my dreams. And that's where relationships and people matter. Some people don't, are not fortunate like I was to have two loving parents that were going to financially support me and push me no matter what. Um, that when I fell on my face, they, they said, listen, follow your heart, follow your mind. Uh, so that's important. But if you don't, that's where these people on the podcast, how you can have an influence on another young person's life that you can not necessarily be their parent, but you can help motivate them and push them in that direction to never give up. And that's something we always hear. But again, it's real. Uh, and so for me to be faithful, uh, I was faithful because once I was given that opportunity, and this is what I tell everybody, once the door cracks, 
And the other, this is my father. This is what he told me. It's your job to kick it open. And that's how I was able to remain faithful because I was in. I was in. I was hungry. There was a pride factor for me because I took a job nobody else wanted. And I tried to make sure I did the best job possible. And when I showcased what I could do, I saw the other door opening for more opportunities because I took so much pride. And then again, once that door opened, I kicked it up. And then I just kept kicking it, kept kicking. And then obviously now I'm in the big chair in the big moment because I kicked every little door ahead of me. Yeah. And that's so important. And especially for young people about, you know, it's whether, you know, like you said, you know, you're working retail or you're working at the local, you know, uh, you know, fast food joint that whatever job that you have, do it to the very best of your ability um, and, and try to outwork others. Um, and people are going to recognize that, you know, because people are starved for leadership. You know, people are starved for leadership, starved for um, people that that get that stuff. And, you know, and, and my next question to you is, is, you know, and obviously you talked about, you know, and obviously I think you and I are probably close to the same age, but when we growing up, we didn't have that influence of social media. And, but this day and age with these type of athletes, how do you, how important is culture and, and, and what, you know, what can you do as obviously as a, uh, a head basketball coach in the SEC and, and even us as a local athletic director at the high school level, um, you know, how important is culture and, and what, what are you trying to make, you know, put your stamp on, on uh, Mississippi state and what the culture is for you? Yeah. Culture is everything. Culture to me is people and standards, right? The standard of how we're going to do things and how we're going to be excellent both on and off the court. And then it's the people that you're associated with in your program to uphold those standards. That is culture to me. And that's when I took the job. First thing I did was nothing basketball. Obviously, I know I'm the basketball coach because they didn't have a winning season, right? Let's, let's be honest. They had some turmoil. So I didn't need to dig down that path. I needed to dig down to understand the core and the DNA of the young women I inherited and the ones I brought in. So I first and foremost asked about their academics. What were your GPA, right? <clears throat> Heard their GPA, uh, uh, you know, numbers. And I was like, man, they could do better after meeting with them. Then the next thing I asked was, is there any, you know, tickets or behavior off the court that I need to be aware about? We had some simple parking tickets because we chose to take shortcuts um, I asked about community service hours and we weren't giving back, which I told you, that's why I am where I am today, because I had an attitude of gratitude that it was more about we than me. And so I really that first three months poured into those three, three areas for my young women and said, listen, if we want to win on the court, we got to let we got to learn to win off the court because it's a lifestyle. And that's what I preached to him. You just don't turn on a switch and say, we're going to start winning. That's not how life works. It's, it's not. And as simple as you might see turning on a TV and you see those moments, there's a lot of things that go on behind the court that make that person and most importantly, make that team. Um, so that's when I took this job. I took I took a lot of pride of. I'll say this right now. Our team GPA after the summer uh, was over a 3.0. We've already committed, uh, finished up all our community service hours before the season has started. And I told them, don't stop now. Keep pouring back to this community. Uh, and then we have zero parking tickets on campus because we're not trying to take shortcuts. We're not parking in spots. We're not because, again, every little detail matters. And I'm excited for those behaviors and how they're going to change the course of this program. Yeah, it's so good. And, you, and when you talk about shortcuts, I'm kind of leading to Dalton, Georgia here. Uh, you, 
uh, it, knowing your parents and what they've done for me when I was growing up, Jim and Diane and, and Brennan, your brother, just just great people. How did Dalton, which is a small town for people who are listening, uh, about an hour north of Atlanta, hour and a half. I was there last night. What a what a great town. How did that small town, blue collar uh, town get you ready for this moment? And what does that town mean to you? Well, it got me ready because there's a lot of successful people in Dalton. You know, Dalton has an unfair stereotype, I feel like, because a lot of people don't leave because of the carpet mills. But when you look at the people who are leading those carpet mills, they're some of the richest people in the world, right? And so it's a perspective of, yeah, you don't necessarily have to stay here, but you can see with, with hard work and long hours and having a blue collar mentality, how success can happen. And so those words and opportunities that, you know, people were, you know, parents or opening up a church, allow me to come shoot or just simply write me a note, because again, this is before social media. Um, and then when social media occurred, when I was about halfway through my career, just people from back home riding me through there, just telling me they're proud of me and thanking me, right? And wishing me good luck, or I saw you on TV. So people, and that's what I said about this job, people matter. Sometimes people get caught up in nice cars or the biggest houses or the biggest buildings. But my journey is, I'm only here because of the people that I've been fortunate to be with and surrounded and Dalton is a lot of great people that I'm trying to let them know. And you go back to my press conference, I said it. I'm from Dalton, Georgia. You know what? I'm proud of it because you all poured into me. And I want to make sure that next generation knows you also can make it if you choose to leave. And if you don't, you still can do great things in Dalton, Georgia. Yeah, that's good. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm from Powder Springs. We're not as, uh, you know, not as famous as, as Dalton. But, yeah, that's that's good good words right there. And I, we appreciate you sharing that with us. But um, I'm going to kind of redirect to your time at, at Louisville as, as an assistant coach. And, uh, and also you guys had a lot of success, made a trip to the Final Four. And, you know, what are some of your main takeaways from that? And uh, just something that our listeners would like to hear. Yeah. So I think first one is let's, let's talk about the timetable I came in. So I was able to get the job because they went to that final four. He's been to four final fours, Jeff Walls. All right. And why Jeff Walls, the head coach, is so successful. And I'm telling you right now, he's a future Hall of Famer. It's because how he manages people. See, a lot of people in sports think it's about just drawing up X's and O's. It's way more than that. It's how do you treat people? How do you treat players? How do you manage time? You know, you look at the successful coaches across the country, Nick Sabins, uh, Bilicek, uh, gosh, we can go for a day, you know, Phil Jackson. If you really dive into those three, yeah, they had special players, but they they had a great way of managing people, especially that ESPN documentary. If people have watched it with Dennis Rodman. It wasn't like Phil Jackson just had all simple players. Dennis Rodman was a different bird. But how he managed Dennis and how he brought the team together is why that was a dynasty. And so when I came in at Louisville and where I'm going with this is Jeff just went to a final four. It was his second final four at the time. So I'm walking into success. Let's be real. I didn't bring success. I walked into it. So for me and my timeline there, it was about how do you sustain success? And I learned so much because it's easy to lead or, or win when the belly is, is, is not hungry because you got hungry dogs, but what do you do when it is full? especially right now in this climate with NIL. Everybody's talking about NIL, but when these players get money, are they still hungry? 
are they still fighting? And I think that's where you see some of the fan base and athletics and a kind of like, I don't know if I want to give money right now and provide opportunities for these student athletes when they haven't done anything. Right. So that's what makes Jeff Wall so special because even when I came in there, it was right away of like, okay, what are you bringing? Right. It was, I hired you, but we got to keep this ship rolling. And it wasn't a threat, but his ability to talk to you in a way of reality and that letting you know, even as an assistant or you're the manager or, you know, the associate head coach or fifth, you know, 15th person off the bench, your job matters for us to have success. And that mentality of just letting people do what they do best. And he hired you for a reason, but yet at the same time, you have a responsibility. is something I'll never forget at my time at Louisville and forever grateful because some head coaches, it's all about them. It's their voice and their, it's an ego thing where Jeff, again, he was confident who he has as a person and where the program was going, but also wanted people who came aboard to help put in as much effort as he was. So that's what separates his programs for others. I love how you mentioned uh, ego. We had a superintendent on last night who's one of our good friends and he, he spoke about how it was so seamless for him to get out of that position and be okay because his ego is kind of in check. Just like you, you're answering the phone when I call. You got a lot better things to do than talk to talk to me about my family and, and daughter and all those things. You got a lot going on, but you you care about people. And that, that speaks volumes to you. And that's why you have so many people out there rooting for you and praying for you and your team. And if you we both run SALT teams, which is student athletic leadership teams here at our schools. Um, what would you say to them about being the best versions of themselves and just the overall intangibles of, of being recruited? What not anything on the court or off the court, but more just intangibles and, and what kids can do to really be separators as far as best versions of themselves or what, what advice did you, what, what are some things that you did to kind of do that? Yeah. Well, I think to, to, to tell them to be the best version of yourself is number one, be yourself. We live in a society, especially with social media and images, that you think you have to be something bomb based on what you see. And some of the best people are the people who are outside the box, who are real, that they can say something and it comes from a great spot, a great spot because they're coming from the heart. People today can smell frauds. They can smell people who are fake. And so for in a leadership position like you're describing, those who are truly invested in people and have the right heart and mind to make the right choices are phenomenal leaders because they always have the best interest of others. And other people, when they feel that, that they're being represented or pushed in the right direction, now want to follow. But if you take a leadership position for yourself or the selfishness that comes within the job, or the glamour that comes with it, then it's not going to happen for what you ultimately truly need to do in that, in that position. And listening to you coach, I mean, it's, it's obvious just, um, you know, you're what I would, you know, the true definition of what a, what I call a transformational coach, a transformational leader to where, um, you know, you're going to pitch your athletes first, um, you're going to put the team second and and you're going to put yourself, you know, third or not even worry about, you know, what what 
you know, what your goals and dreams and everything on a personal level are. So, um, you know, that that's what we're trying to instill in, in, in our coaches to make sure that they're leading by those same examples and, um, and what a great example. But if you were to just try to define your overall leadership and coaching philosophy, um, you know, what would you like to tell our listeners? Well, that's a tough one, right? Because I think year in and year out, it changes because of the individual. But my coaching philosophy is it's a parent approach that uh, I'm going to treat you fairly, but I'm not going to treat you the same. Each one of you are different individuals. That is my job, you know, with my staff to put a plan in place to help you fulfill the goals that are in place for you, but also provide you the accommodations for you that are needed for you to succeed. Uh, and it's hard in athletics because everybody's so different. I have some players who are phenomenal academically. So their study hour, study hall hours are way less because when they actually go to class, that hour they're in there, they're getting stuff done. Where I have other students where they need way more review. They need way more help. So their study hall hours are different. So if both of them are freshmen. I tell them, don't point the finger at the other freshman of why she has no zero study hall hours, but you do. Your behavior, what you need, determines the, the things that I put in place for you as an athlete uh, and vice versa. Athletics. Some kids can flat out shoot it that I never have to tell to show up in the gym because they live in this gym where there are other young women on my team that I'm like, listen, you're never going to step on the court unless we change some behavior. So my philosophy is to that point of let's put an environment where all can succeed, but let's make sure along the way that we have individual plans to make sure each individual member can feel success both on and off the court. That's so good. And, and I, you know, just want to talk about as we kind of wrap up the show and it, it's just so good to see. And I, like I said, I can't wait for a few weeks because it just gives me energy, nothing to do with Mississippi state, <laughs> nothing to do with Sam Purcell and uh, what, what you bring to the table, what you've always poured into me and, in my family, but what can we expect from Mississippi State basketball this year as a fan or as just someone watching? What what are we looking at? You know, we always look, you know, Ava Bray just walked in the room with me. When you when you're at Louisville, we're always finding you on the on the court where you're coaching at, the energy you're with. What can we expect from the Bulldogs this year? Well, first, I'm going to start back with what I've talked about. It's the mission of this program and what I'm trying to help with these young women. We're trying to make as many positive statements as we can in year one. And it starts with off the court, like I talked about. I'm trying to create winners, culture, right? And if we take care of that off the court, then you know what? It's going to happen on the court. So you're going to see us active within the state. The Jackson thing was heartbreaking, as we all know. We're trying to do our part with fundraisers, water, never losing sight of that stuff, helping people out in the community and making a difference. And then from that, having an environment where, you know what, people want to show up because they know us. It's not just Mississippi State because that's the university we re represent, but you actually truly are invested in us because you know us as people. And when that happens, you have an environment that our players are going to play their heart out for you. They're going to leave it out night in and night out. They're going to be proud about the name on the front and not on the back. But at the same time, they are also representing their family and their name on the back. Um, but we're going to be so dialed in on defense. I'm a, I'm a big scouting report guy uh, where we're going to try to just disrupt you and make it ugly. And then offensively, I want our defense to create our offense. I want to play fast. I want to take quick shots. But also if the game requires me to call sets and we got to execute, then you know what? We got to check the boxes in all three levels. So you're going to see a fun and energetic team. I also told everybody this, the worst thing that they did, 
was name me the head coach at Mississippi State. Why? All right. This is why. Because you know what? We're the Bulldogs. And I've been an underdog my whole life. And so why don't I have a team that right now is not being ranked by anybody in the country that people have thinking we have fallen off the total map? Because, again, five years ago, we were just in the national championship. That why not you? Why not us? And let's come out and let's do something special that nobody will ever forget. So I'm excited when the season starts. And I told them not only we got to start strong, but, you know, this team will be remembered on how we finish. So buckle up, enjoy the ride, and most importantly, come out and uh, and support us along the way. Well, Coach, what I can tell you is you've gained one fan so far, so I've never got uh, the pleasure to meet you in person. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a Mississippi State Bulldog uh, women's basketball fan at this point going forward. So uh, you've got me excited. Can't wait to watch you. And, and uh, I'm going to pull you all, your schedule up as soon as we get off tonight. And uh, I promise you I'll be tuning in and, and wish you all the best of luck. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate that. And, Sam, just to, just to kind of hit it up here, Coach Purcell, the, the variance. One thing I love about you is that you're always – I don't know how you do all the things that you do, but you're, you're about your family. So, I always watch your, your crazy TikTok videos with your, your girls and, and all that stuff. What kind of TikTok video we got coming out next with you and your <laughs> It better be a commitment one. That's one of the ones we do because they're on the phone with me every time I call these kids across the country that sometimes they jump on. So when the kid actually comes, it's like a celebration for us because they just added another sister to the family. So, Brian, one thing I want to add, though, for all the viewers out there listening, because I gave a lot of basketball advice, but I want to give the best advice I ever got as a coach real quick. Yeah, As much as I pour into this job and I give, the best advice I ever got was if you're ever on your phone, and my wife knows this. I will not walk in the house on my phone because my three little girls, I've got 15 minutes, no matter how my day's been or how their day is, to give them as much love and attention as I can when I walk in that door, that they can see my face, that you cannot get that back if I'm on the phone and they're coming to hug me. And I'm, I'm more dialed into that phone than my family. And let me tell you, as everybody knows who's in the coaching profession, we spend a lot of hours, but it's not necessarily always the time of quality or quantity of hours with your family, but quality. So that first 15 minutes to make an impression and make, especially your wife, to give her a hug and kiss, uh, I'm telling you, has made me uh, be able to get through this business and, and be able to also be a father and husband. Because uh, I've also learned that after 15 minutes, my wife's done with me anyways. And she's ready to watch TV. So that is my advice for anybody out there listening that could save their marriage and keep it rolling. That's right. Well, man, we, we can't thank you enough for being here. And and just to kind of put a bow on, I just want to tell you thank you. And it's been such an honor to, to call you a friend and watch you grow into this. And and it's not a shock what you're doing. And, and I love what you said about hey, you've always been the underdog. We can't wait to see you uh, conquer this mountain. It's going to be awesome, not only for Mississippi State and the basketball team, for the girls, for the com community, and everybody involved watching you. And, uh, gosh, it's just an honor to have you here. And uh, I do want to update everybody. We have raised over $12,000 now for uh, the Worth It Calls with uh, kids who need hearing aids immediately, and you guys are doing a great job. Uh, if you want to donate, you can click on the show notes. You click on the link, and uh, this, will, this will greatly help all these families. And, and, Coach, thank you so much for being here and spending your time with us. Hey, thank you. This is awesome. Everybody have a great day.